1: and get 10% off your plan.
2: My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big row ass man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day.
0: Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com/generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com/generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture. Because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor with Adweek.
3: And I'm Ko mi I am your community editor, and we are past the Super Bowl. We are coming up on uh, about one year of you-know-what covid the, uh the but Q Q word, also one year of um challenger brands
0: yes our, our one of our largest franchises I, I think I think challenger brands our event is like our second largest event after brand week yep. uh, which is our our big massive late in the year uh usually in somewhere gorgeous like Palm Springs uh, this past year obviously virtual and uh but but uh yeah co uh, remind us what challenger brands is and then uh, and then who we have with us today to talk about it
3: yeah so challenger brands usually an in-person event is now all virtual but we still have some great hosts we have some great guests and we will also have breakout rooms which are essentially going to be smaller but still significant conversations um and so we are now joined by our senior editor terry stanley welcome back terry to talk about um your involvement with the event this year thanks for having me guys always happy to be here (laughs)
0: <laughs> Terry is our is our celebrity whisperer, so it's like whenever mm-hmm. whenever you whenever you see Terry Stanley, aka T.L. Stanley, on our show, you can bet we're either going to be talking about because uh, you're on quite often. Uh, we're either going to be talking about cannabis uh, or plant based foods, plant based products, uh, which are two of Terry's uh, big expert areas of expertise, and then of course, third one is is celebrities. Uh, Terry is a fantastic celebrity interviewer and profile writer. And there's a lot of crossover with uh, the food topics you write about with cannabis, as we'll talk about today. Uh, These are some very strong challenger brand space. So everything's coming up. T.L. Stanley.
2: Don't you love that? I would love to say I planned all this,
3: but I did not.
0: (laughs) You've been strategically positioning your career to lead up to this
3: moment. (laughs) Yes. And you're based in L.A., which is where um, one of our one of our cover stars uh, that you can talk about um, that I will also speak at challenger brands. Um, so can you do the, the, the reveal now? Terry? Of
2: course. Um, and I, I believe we have been touting this in our um, in our pre event advertising, uh, Jennifer Garner, is going to be speaking at the event. She is the chief brand officer and one of the co-founders of a farm-to-fridge baby food and kid food brand called Once Upon a Farm. I love her. I
0: I do, too, and I was about to quickly ask, just for fun, uh, and I'm curious... For our readers can reach out readers. I'm sorry, I'm so used to writing for a website. Our listeners can reach out at podcast at to tell us what. But I want to start with you, Co. When you think of Jennifer Garner, what is the first thing you think of?
3: Honestly, it's not even her work beyond, you know, Jenna Rankin 13 going on 30. Um, or that uh, but really I think of her as this like so relatable mom who is just has a really kind spirit. So it feels like If I was a brand, I would absolutely want to work with her. But not only that, to have her as an integral part of that brand leadership team, I think is important. And, you know, as we talk about challenger brands, which, you know, is kind of like the disruptors or the people who are challenging the status quo, the people who are quickly rising with the consumer demand. Um, uh, you know, you, you think of Jennifer Garner, you see her dimples and her smile and you think, oh, yeah, she's genuine and she's organic. Does she come off like that, um, Terry, in your in your conversation with her? And what more did you learn about the brand story?
2: She certainly does. I mean, sort of uh, hair pulled back in a ponytail. Big glasses, no makeup, not concerned about being polished and um, in a, in a you know, hair and makeup sort of way. So, yes. And if you follow her on social media, it's very clear that um, she really kind of presents herself in a kind of an unvarnished way. And I I know that's a that's a popular phrase. It's everyone is uh, sometimes you wonder if people are curating their unvarnished presence on social media. But in her case, I think it probably is true. Sort of what you see is what you get. And if she gets up at six in the morning to do some cooking or baking and she's in a nightgown and slippers, that's what her Instagram shows. She's in a nightgown and slippers.
0: I, I have to say that uh, I, for me, um, just because I have to give it its shout out, Jennifer Garner is uh, forever associated with Alias. Uh, Alias seasons one through three, I think, are perfect television. That's my hot take for today. I don't think it's a very, <laughs> very hot take. That's uh, yeah, it, those first three seasons. Uh, this was a this uh, I would argue it was kind of J.J. Abrams' breakout hit that that set up. It, it is what set up set him up for Lost which, of course, was a, a runway hit, and then he started making movies left and right. But uh, if you have not watched it, and I believe all of them are at least streaming on Amazon Prime now, um, but I just want to say, alias, seasons one through three, Not we we, we don't talk about seasons four and five. Uh, But uh, seasons one through three are perfect television. They hold up immaculately. And the brand tie-ins, for those of you who work in marketing and advertising, they are so rough in that, like, early 2000s product placement way of, like, not really knowing how to integrate brands without it being incredibly uh, funky. Like, it's him. He's getting away in that 2001 Ford Fusion (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, and then they'll talk about how economical the Ford Fusion is. Other than that, and actually, I would say partly because of that, I think it is a, a fantastic show. <laughs> but
2: uh, and, and don't you don't you know ABC at the time was to, was touting how well they integrated products into dramas. Yeah.
0: Yeah, at the time it felt revolutionary you know it's like because they really did and Alias really was one of the ones where they're just like man there's so many logos and so many brands front and center but I would say by modern standards it's what set up the whole uh, the whole 30 Rock joke right about like just putting the product front and center and just raving about it as as, like Hamily as you can Um, but Jennifer Gardner that was like my real first exposure to her and just yeah she's relatable she's realistic she doesn't seem like some kind of otherworldly uh you know like angelina jolie like from another planet uh, uh, kind of uh vibe which is not obviously not a negative um but uh yeah no she seems she seems great so so Terry, am I right in saying that what's kind of quasi revolutionary about this about this baby food, kid food, is that it's refrigerated, right? To so that they don't have to include a bunch of uh, preservatives to make it shelf stable.
2: Exactly, and that's their certainly their um, their advantage to to moms. Um, basically, it's the best you can do, the the best and freshest and. Um, least additives of any baby food unless you're making it yourself so for those people who are making it themselves which is probably a tiny niche this would be um much preferable and for those people who never intended to make it themselves but want all those things um That's their option. It's also a major challenge for them because if you walk down a baby food aisle of any store, whether it's club store, big box, grocery, whatever, there is no refrigeration in the baby food aisle. Maybe there will be one day, but there isn't now. So when this company talked to retail and said, hey, we want to be in retail. We have this amazing product. And retail said, oh, yeah, I, I like that product. The baby food buyer, for instance, but I don't have refrigeration in my section. They go to the produce buyer that says, um, I like this product and I have refrigeration, but I don't want baby food in the produce. So they had to negotiate a place for themselves, like an actual physical place for them for their product in store.
3: Yeah, which if you think about it, you know, it's not. It's not going to be a a painful process in like in the grand scheme of things, right? It's like yes, we can just add another aisle of fridges and put baby food in there, but it's not the way that we have been thinking about how uh, shelves are organized and things are labeled so neatly in our brains. So it's really interesting to see. Uh, what you've reported on, you know, how much, how much they've grown and how they've been able to kind of overcome those conversations. What were kind of the, her takeaways?
2: Uh, well, they ended up in the produce section. And so they, their product is near, let's say, the juices or the cut-up fruit. Probably one day it, it will have its own uh, section in the baby food, just as, you know, they like to say you could find refrigerated pet food in tens mm-hmm. of thousands of stores but you
0: couldn't yeah i mean like I, I live in alabama as i talk about often and my thing is always if it's happening here it's happening everywhere right because like we're not the first to get anything unless it's like no we didn't even get the stupid zaxby's chicken sandwich first <laughs> i mean the, nothing there's no benefits to being here um other than affordability and and a lovely uh place but like um but yeah, no, there is a there has been a fridge in my grocery store in the dog food aisle for seven years now. And so, yeah, it's not—I don't think it's—I'm uh, sure it ramps up the cost to the store. Um, but it's like the other thing, too, is they have to know before they install a fridge. Like You're not going to put in a dog food fridge in your, in your Publix or whatever without knowing there's going to be enough brands to fill a dog food fridge, right? So it seems like this is one of those where they have to not only be convinced that this brand is— worth the refrigerated shelf space but that the category is worth the space
3: yeah and it it doesn't hurt that um you know jennifer garner is is part of this project um what were you going to say terry
2: oh i was saying being first is is great breaking ground but it, it also presents exactly those kinds of challenges um is it, go, is it a, a longstanding product? Does it have a future? Will other competitors come? But I think all those things are already starting to happen. And this brand is now, um, it, it went from about 300, 350 specialty stores. Now they're in about 9,000 stores. And that's that's happened in a really short period of time, maybe two years about two years, that's what they did. Aggressive, an aggressive rollout that at some points was a little too aggressive and they had to course correct a bit and pull back. But uh, being the first to do something means, as they've said, you are going to fall down. You, you are going to have those missteps and stumbles, but it's you just have to problem solve and pick yourself up and keep going
0: let's talk about a a few of the other challenger brands uh, that we're going to be featuring, a few of the other big names, because Terry also crosses over with some of these. I'll just throw out uh, some of the big keynote speakers that you've probably heard of, are Chance the Rapper, Mark Cuban, Nicole Richie, but also in terms of celebrities who are, are, you know, not just a name or face. And because I think about this a lot, too, is I, I think it was at Brand Week last year or in one of our interviews with Ryan Reynolds where he's talking about his Aviation Gen and Mint Mobile and all these things, is he said, you know, Me being a celebrity can get you to try something. Like you may try Aviation Gym because Ryan Reynolds, you know, because you're a fan and he told you to, but you're not going to keep buying it, right? You're not going to recommend it to friends if you try it and it's trash. And so a a lot of what I keep hearing about celebrity kind of marketers or business owners is that all it does is get you the publicity to get someone to try it once. But if you try, like, you know, Jennifer Garner's refrigerated baby food and, you know, it, it doesn't work out, you're not going to keep buying it just because you're a fan of Jennifer Garner, right? But one uh, one celebrity that we're going to have there that, I mean, I guess hasn't been a, a, a hot Hollywood commodity for a few years, but certainly I think people know him well, is Jim Belushi. Uh, and so, Terry, tell us about Jim Belushi's business.
2: He owns a cannabis farm in Oregon. and um, And his, some of his exploits on the farm are, uh, captured in a Discovery Channel series that is, it's a lot of fun. I do recommend it. Um, it's a short series. I think we're six episodes. Um, he, it, he inherited this farm. He decided to work it. Um, well, actually it, it was a neighboring farm. He bought it, decided to work it. And, um, because of his, his late brother and his connection to the whole old Saturday Night Live kind of, you know, legacy players, he um, has a Blues Brothers branded line of cannabis, which is its own probably much more recognizable name than, than his. So that's one of his products. And he has a, he has Dan Aykroyd's blessing. He has John Belushi's widow's blessing because they actually own that IP. So they're involved in the um, – we see them in the television show. And that's kind of his stake in the ground, what's a very, very recognizable entertainment property that um, is now a weed brand.
0: And and you were saying before that, I mean, this is not – that there are many um – celebrities who've gotten involved with cannabis uh, but oftentimes it feels a bit two-dimensional but but shallow it it can Um, how would how would you how would you say that that Jim Belushi's involvement is kind of different from some of the ones we've seen
2: I think he's he's very committed and he if you when you hear him talk about his farm um, he really is truly a farmer and his family is involved in this business and he's an advocate and a very vocal activist in cannabis. So it doesn't come out of left field for him. And he is certainly partnering with people already established in the cannabis industry to go multi-state, which is very important. You you really cannot have a product that is... Um, only in a, in a very specific area, if you expect that it's going to be a long-term business. He's, he's made some good choices there by getting outside of just his, um, his geographical area.
3: Yeah. And we talk about that as kind of a a measure of success in terms of scaling. Um, as, as I guess Mark Cuban would say, I'm, I'm really excited to hear him talk as well. Um, I also think, um, Nicole Richie, who I'll be in conversation with, you know, she's one of those many celebrities. Um, and you know, dare I say, female celebrities who have a lot of, you know, interest in the clothing line and the lifestyle sector. But I believe that Nicole is somebody who really truly lives and breathes her brand. Um, it's not just a collaboration. She's also the creative director and it's the main, one of the main things that she does right now. Um, so I I think um, we've talked about it a little bit before, but Terry, it, it feels like um, they're truly putting on the entrepreneurial boots on the ground and um, really, you know, making, making it a part of their career trajectory.
2: There's certainly, you're right. There are certainly some of some celebrities who continue to just sort of lend their name. I don't think we'll ever see that go away, but i I really think consumers are so savvy that they realize those deals. They, they can root out those deals pretty quickly and they think, you know, what, what involvement does this celebrity really have? You know, are they testing this brand? Do they really vet this brand? Are they really, really, um, do they have skin in the game? And I think it's obvious when they don't and so because of that if if a celebrity is going to get involved i think they might they might examine that a lot more closely these days where in the past maybe they would have thought well i can make a few bucks i'll just i'll be the face rather than the actual you know part of the engine
0: uh co what are some of the brands you're looking forward to hearing from or you're just uh that you're really into that you're glad to see are on the lineup?
3: Um, I think the combination of Mickey Agaral from Tushy and Neil Hubman from Reddit will be really interesting. Um, You know, Reddit has has really seen the spotlight over the last few weeks. And, um, you know, Mickey is a really kind of, powerful, outspoken um, mom as well. And uh, I think that'll be interesting. I'm also looking forward to your session, actually. Um, you're going to be in conversation with Kate Hewitt from Bombas. And um, it's not a standard session, right? It's not like a business only kind of brand building tip thing.
0: Yeah, the um, with uh, Kate from Bombus we're going to be doing kind of a two-part thing. One is uh, talking about what she's learned about uh, and what their brand has learned about TV advertising in the modern era and how to be really tactical with TV when you are not a juggernaut that can just throw, you know, untold millions at your problems. Um, and what they've learned, uh, spoiler alert, uh, she, you know, one of their, uh, I think, the best performing uh kind of tv equivalent that, that they've had is sling sling tv uh is is where they've seen the most uh kind of bang for their buck so there's a lot of really fascinating uh, lessons learned on the connected you know Bombas is such a good size company to learn from they're big enough to have pretty big budgets where they can be in all these places but they're not so big that the answer is always you know money um and and just quantity on on your problems. There's also some really, you know, and then we're going to have a uh, Q&A session. So basically, um, if you picture it like in a real life event when the speaker comes off stage and they kind of go and mill around the crowd, that's like one of the best reasons to be at a conference, right? And so we're trying to basically create an equivalent of that where there's this more casual Q&A session with her after her presentation. Uh, so, the, I'm really looking forward to that. I think we're going to have uh, just really good conversation, uh, some really good questions from the audience. Uh, but also, I think it's really fascinating to me. Bombas, like, as most most folks know who recognize the name, you know, it's when you buy a pair of their socks, they donate a pair of socks to people facing homelessness, uh, which is a an issue that's close to my heart. Uh, and... They also have expanded into underwear, so a completely new category, a very different category, even though, you know, socks and underwear sound similar to us as normal humans who wear them. Uh, They're very different categories. And I wondered, you know, how's Bombas going to do going into the space? They sold out before they could run their first ad. (laughs) They had to, like, cancel their ads because they had no inventory left in a lot of their markets. Uh, So this is a heck of a brand, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to get to talk to them.
3: I would buy anything they make.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a great reputation. Also with Tushy, like am I, am I wrong? And that's a, that's a bidet brand, right?
3: That's correct. Uh, it's her, her second big, um, venture. Uh, but you know, it's, it's about, uh, changing, changing the, changing the way we go to the bathroom and how we clean ourselves. Um, so it's, it's great. Um, she's one of, um, one half of twins, uh, her, her sister has also uh, gone on tour with Oprah. So, you know, just, just powerful, powerful woman to hear from. And um, there's also, you know, interesting kind of community experience that we're having. So like yoga with um, an Olympian or former Olympian. Uh, but by the way, our producer tells us that we have an episode of I'm with the brand with Mickey um, on our website. So you can head to adweek.com for that. Uh, Terry and David, are you guys interested specifically in um, any talks?
2: Um, I try to limit the time that I spend thinking about the American consumer's butts. <laughs> but I have.
0: I try. I try to leave unlimited time to think about people's butts.
2: <laughs> but I have. I have covered the bidet world a little bit because I often cover poopery. So anyway. an interesting aside from me
3: only only you can say that that's in your bio i only cover poopery
0: (laughs) (laughs) my my butt-centric coverage priorities are generally smell related the uh no i'm i'm fascinated and i i i can't even like uh reveal who they are because i've already forgotten but uh i've we've all had this conversation right where a friend of yours is like yeah so we uh we got one of those and then you're just like oh yeah what's it like and then like it's life-changing and then you kind of want to know more, but you kind of don't want to talk about your friend's butt. So, like, <laughs> it's, it's a, I, but I'm a naturally very curious person. And if you bring your butt in a conversation, I will not shy away from continuing that conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm going to be the first to admit I've never used a bidet, uh, not to create any unfortunate mental images for anybody, but like, uh, I, I, I will say everyone i am talking to has got one. It's just like, oh no, it's, 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 it's a game changer.
3: <laughs> well let oh me switch God. a little bit So let's it cleanse our like, palate
2: let's cleanse our palate so.
3: and talk about Bonza which um, you know I have tried uh, it's chickpea based like all kinds of pasta um, and uh, you know there's public.com as well uh, which is a investment app which I think will be very fascinating given uh, what we saw happen with Robin they just reached like million users on their app um, and there are mostly women there are a lot of women and minorities there Um, and then there's brands that you know you might have not heard of yet Um, you know one person I'm talking to is uh, Antonio Bertone from Whoop which is um, basically a smart wristwatch that continuously monitors you even while you're sleeping it doesn't have a screen by happy accident Uh, But they have some interesting learnings from um, getting data during COVID. Uh, So I don't know. I'm really excited. You know, I know sometimes we get event and Zoom fatigue, but I'm really excited for Challenger Brands just because of the caliber of speakers that we have this year. Last year, you know, we were downtown and I was like, are we having the event? Are we going to be elbow bumping and not shaking hands? And Shay Mitchell, you know, another celebrity, she flew out from California. And I was like, I can't believe you made it. Um, but now we can all kind of make it right and and join, have those kinds of um, experiences together. So uh, it feels very weird, but I'm also excited.
2: Well, I, I have a chat with Peloton uh, next week during the conference. And I, I don't know that I consider them a challenger brand anymore. Um, I think they're, they're so huge at this point. They're a juggernaut. There was of course a time when they were challengers because they were fighting the entire entrenched um, fitness system, uh, gyms and studios and boutiques and all that. Now they are a giant. And if you didn't see the fake ad that SNL ran this past weekend and they, they renamed the product Peloton.
0: <laughs> Is it where like the, the instructors are just, assault, just attacking yes. you the internet? Like,
2: ma- like relentlessly making fun of you as you're trying to do. It was hilarious.
3: I mean, I mean, I would argue that they are ch- still challenging in terms of, um, the way that they're reframing what community is, and also they're branching out like Bombas is with underwear. They've branched out into treadmills, so they're still trying to disrupt that category. Um, I don't know; it just seems kind of um, interesting. I, I I'll definitely tune into that.
2: Yeah, and then obviously I have I have a weed person on my uh, on my agenda for next week as well because you know if I'm going to show up, there will be weed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terry brings the party um, and uh, I, I will I just I had to Google it because I was curious uh, how much revenue does Peloton bring in? is 1.8 billion holy cow well, they are they have and we were all making fun of them a mere year and a half ago I for, know
3: and now I just see their trucks even here in Seattle I mean you know the whole idea of them being you know even in the White House now is like a whole deal so.
0: Well, it's it's fascinating to me how uh, how quarantine changed this idea of what what costs too much money, right? So that was the whole thing with Peloton. Is people are like that's too much money for a bicycle, which which I I agreed at the time certainly, and that's why everyone made fun of you know the the Peloton wife ad. Um, But, uh, man, you know, in quarantine, it comes down to like, okay, well, if you can't pay, if you can't responsibly go to gyms and that's all that money that you'd be putting into that, I did not use a car, you know, that I bought for, I don't know, six, 7,000 bucks used. Like it's just been sitting in a garage for the last year. Uh, You know what I mean? It's just, there's so many things that are more money that you're just not using at all or couldn't use at all in quarantine. So that's kind of interesting that Peloton became, it doesn't sound as expensive. I mean, it's. It's not cheap, um, but in terms of like what you're going to get out of it, I will say that the people using Pelotons are about the fittest people I know over this past year. <laughs> um it does make I, me
3: tired just thinking about it though i'm not a peloton person but i do i do know the yoga instructor and i have some friends who are instructors and um, i'm i'm happy for them you know they get all these beyonce playlists and um you know they're they're becoming stars so it's amazing
0: I, I will just uh they're not on our agenda but i'll quickly say cross rope is the one i've been doing it's the jump rope app it's the peloton of jump ropes <laughs> okay uh, now you
3: have to now you have to give us a tiktok on it
0: yeah no it's like no one needs to see me Exercising, um, but no, it's a uh, you know I will say that that's it's a similar model, right? Uh, other than there's no like live instructor, but I think those have been those kinds of workouts are the only key to to staying the least bit healthy and amid all this. Um, I wanted to give a quick plug because there's something new uh, this year that we're doing with challenger brands, and I as as the recently named international editor, I'm certainly involved with this. We have global programming, uh, meaning that we're going to each day throughout the four days of Challenger Brands, we're going to have uh, some programming specific to key regions. I mean, by key regions, I mean, all regions, pretty much. We have Latin America, we have Asia Pacific, uh, we've got uh, India and South Asia, uh, Middle East and Africa. And so with each of those sessions, we've got uh, you know between two and three speakers or sessions uh, that are f- you know free for anybody who's already attending, or I think there f- might be... I shouldn't say whether they're free for people in those regions, but it's it's a good deal because uh, you, you get to you get to go to that content, and so uh, we're featuring challenger brands uh, in each of those regions. And we will be rolling out that speaker lineup very soon, uh, probably by the time you hear this. So, yeah, I'm really pumped about that. I'm going to be leading a few of those sessions, uh, and we're going to have some brands that you know really well, like Anheuser Busch, uh, but in Colombia and places you know things like that, where sometimes it's a a brand that we think of as dominant, uh, but in certain markets, like McDonald's in the Philippines, uh, has struggled to be you know against against a market leader there for a very long time. Jolly Jollibee. Exactly. And uh, and we, uh, we'll have IKEA in Japan, uh, which, again, uh, IKEA, very strong in Western Europe, uh, in America, not so much in uh, in Asia-Pacific. And so we'll be hearing from them. Uh, yeah, it's going to be some really great programs. So I just want to give a quick plug to that, to keep an eye out for that lineup.
3: Sounds great, international editor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
0: Um, well, we, we, uh, we are out of time for today, but uh, Terry, uh, I definitely encourage everyone check out uh, TL Stanley's uh, write up on uh, Jennifer Garner on the cover of Adweek, uh, and uh, all of her coverage. When in doubt, Terry uh, is always such a pleasure to have you, and your writing is always such a joy to read uh, and uh, to to get to partake in every every day uh, here at Adweek. So thank you so much for making time for us.
2: Thank you, international man man of mystery, uh,
0: and Co. Thanks as always. Uh, I am really looking forward to uh, seeing you on our virtual stage as well.
3: Of course, looking forward.
0: All right. Uh, Well, that's it for this week. Our theme music is by Home. Uh, This week's episode was produced by Nick Gardner and uh, edited by Lane McGiboney. Uh, If you've not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. And uh, if you want to learn more about Challenger Brands, you can just go to adweek.com slash events, and you will find the link right there. Thanks. We'll be back next week.